0: Take us with you. Download HIV care tools today.
1: Welcome to Nika in the Know, a podcast for healthcare providers in the HIV field. I'm Mariana Bratman. Today, we're sitting down with Dr. Grant Ellsworth to talk about a recent study regarding prevention of anal cancer and why it's important for people living with HIV. Grant is Assistant Professor of Medicine in the Division of Infectious Diseases at Weill Cornell Medicine. He's the site leader for a study of anal cancer prevention at Weill Cornell, known as the Anchor Study. Thanks so much for being here, Grant.
2: Thanks for having me.
1: So Grant, let's dive right in. Why was a study of anal cancer prevention necessary?
2: Um, Yeah. Mariana, uh, the rates of anal cancer are much higher in people living with HIV than the general population. It, it's actually a pretty rare disease in the general population, um, Fawcett, for example, aside. Um, but it arises from lesions known as high-grade squamous intraepithelial lesions, or, and we're gonna call them from here on out as h or high-grade. And recent data suggests um, that the rates of anal cancer in people living with HIV are much higher than we previously thought. In fact, a recent study of a Danish HIV cohort um, suggested that persons with the highest grade of HSIL called ain 3 um, about one in seven of those persons would develop cancer in a five-year period, which is pretty astounding. Um, so, you can compare anal cancer prevention to cervical cancer screening and prevention. I think a lot of people are quite familiar with um, you know, women going to see a, a gynecologist and undergoing um, pap smears and those types of screenings. Um, and the, the thing is, is anal cancer is about 70, anal cancer prevention is about 70 years behind cervical cancer screening. Prevention, um, cervical cancer screening has um, reduced the incidence of cancer in women in general by over seventy percent um, in high-income countries. And you know, both diseases, both cervical cancer and anal cancer, are largely caused by HPV or human papilloma virus. And Pap smears and HPV testing and treatment of cervical H cell or cervical precancer um, reduces um, cancer and. Cervical cancer in women. So the anchor study basically was a study that was designed to prove that a similar approach uh, would work in people with HIV. That is, screen for um, anal precancers or HCL, treat these areas of HCL, and see if that led to a reduction in cancer cases.
1: So how did the anchor study set out to prove that anal cancer could be prevented?
2: Yeah, so the anchor study was one of these randomized control uh, trials um, in which uh, persons with HIV um, with known to have anal H cell or these precancerous lesions were randomized to one of two arms, either to the treatment arm or to the active monitoring arm. Um, And they were followed every six months um, through the study and um, the persons that were randomized to the treatment arm all of their so was treated um, at every subsequent visit, essentially. Um, and then the active monitoring arm, the people were followed very closely, um, which seems like a little bit crazy to, to do that you know, ethically, but we didn't know that this actually would work or not. Um, and um, you know, these procedures are invasive and um, you, know, you don't wanna subject people to that without knowledge of, um, know, of knowing that this works. Um, The study endpoints were incident cases of anal cancer and uh, secondary endpoints were just to look at how many study related adverse events, um, particularly related to study procedures occurred. Uh, The people that entered the study um, were over the age of 35 um, and the study ended up screening over 10,000 persons with HIV and 4,459 were randomized. Um, And it was quite representative of the HIV epidemic uh, in the United States today, in that there were about 16% women, which is always was a little bit low, but um, a lot of my uh, minority populations were well representative, about 16% Hispanic and Latino and 42% black. Uh, And the transgender community was fairly well represented, about 3% of this whole study population. And when people entered the study, the median age is 51 years old. Um, and um, on average, uh, persons were about 17 years out from their uh, initial diagnosis of HIV. Um, so in the treatment arm, there were a bunch of treat, uh, various treatment modalities. Um, some, uh, most people were treated with electrocautery with a device known as a hyphricator. You may have seen these or had this uh, used on you in a dermatology office. Um, and essentially what you do, you cauterize off the, the anal H cell in, in that treatment group. There we also use something called infrared coagulation to a lesser extent, and there was some use of topical therapies such as five topical fly or uracil, but this was only occurred in a minority of patients, and even if you were treated with topical therapies, you often um, were treated in follow-up with ablation, um, because it's not as effective as ablation and removing these H cell areas.
1: So what were the results of this study?
2: Yeah, so um, overall, um, these results are actually uh, just announced at uh, the Conference on Retroviruses and Opportunistic Infections earlier this week. So I'm um, happy to now be able to share these. So overall, the, we saw a 57% reduction in anal cancer cases in the treatment arm. So there was 33 cases of cancer total that occurred in, um, in, in during the fallout period, and on average each participant was followed for a uh, total of 22 months. Um, obviously, some were had been followed much longer than that, and some were um, uh, much shorter. Um, so 21 cases occurred in the mon- active monitoring arm of the study, and nine cases occurred in the treatment arm, um, and about 17 persons were actually diagnosed with anal cancer when they came in to screen for the study, so they already had cancer, which is rather unfortunate. Those persons were not eligible for the study, but were referred for treatment. Um, And the good news is even, so the treatment was clearly fairly effective. Um, um, There were actually very few adverse events related to the study treatments. Um, There were seven, and, and. particularly ones that were considered serious. And these were things like abscesses or infections requiring antibiotics um, or pain or bleeding that required additional procedures, for example. There was only seven of those that occurred in the treatment arm and one in the active monitoring arm. Because the active monitoring arm was getting biopsied to every subsequent, you know, about at least once a year um, during the follow-up period.
1: It seems like there were several cancer cases in the treatment arm. Was that something that was expected?
2: Yeah, unfortunately this was expected um, and uh, you know, any of these prevention strategies aren't 100% effective. However, the number that occurred was higher than was expect, uh, anticipated uh, when the study was in its design phase. Um, <clears throat> in fact, the, the incidence of cancer in the monitoring arm was also higher than was um, anticipated by the study. Um, the, the target enrollment was about 3,500, uh, sorry, 5,300 people. So, the this higher incidence of cancer that occurred um, caused the uh, study to actually close to enrollment early because it re- reached its target endpoint um, goal early, which is um, also good because the study did show that treatment was effective. What it does show, though, these with these nine cases, unfortunate cases of cancer in the treatment arm, is um, that this is a very imperfect intervention in that more research needs to be done uh, to uh, better treat uh, these high-grade areas and prevent them from recurring.
1: So how would clinics implement these results?
2: Um, yeah, so clinics, um, c- it's a little bit difficult because um, in this study, um, you know, the primary procedure performed is called high resolution onoscopy or HRA. Um, and there is a general lack of highly trained HRA providers. To be a HRA provider part of the study, you had to undergo a rigorous um, certification progress with uh, that had been developed by the, the sponsor organization for the study, the uh, AIDS Malignancy Consortium, which is part of the National Cancer Institute. Which essentially you had to perform um, multiple uh, high-resolution oscopy exams um, while being precepted um, and undergo a certification uh, during a clinic visit. Um, in, like I said, even despite all of these um, assurances, like I said, the, the you know the intervention wasn't perfect in there where where these can- cancer cases in the treatment arm, um, but um, so so. We could almost even think of the anchor study as an ideal result um, and um, without these without highly qualified and highly trained HRA providers, it's going to be difficult to kind of roll this study out. Um, and you know it, it does take quite a bit of practice and time and procedures um, to become proficient um, in in the procedure. Um, and you and even despite all of this, there, there still are some patients, for example, that can't tolerate um, HRA because it does require, you know, it is a basic exam. Um, so there are ways to get um, people trained. Um, and I think we're gonna talk about that a little bit later.
1: So yeah, a question that comes to mind before we get into that is, do you think that this will change guidelines in any way?
2: Um, yeah. Yeah, I do. Um, absolutely. Um, the, you know, the current guidelines from the Department of Health and Human Services, um, the HIV guidelines, um, don't actually have a strong recommendation to perform any or cancel screening. I, I anticipate that this is going to change. Um, and there still needs to be a lot of implementation research uh, performed. For example, the screening tests that we use for anal. H cell such as an anal cytology, also known as a Pap smear, is it's not a great test. It has a lot a uh, high false positivity rate, meaning you'll end up doing HRA on a lot of people that don't have an anal H cell. Um, which again, it's it's not an insignificant procedure, and some people just it's hard to, can be hard to tolerate. And the other thing about the anchor study is this was an every six month intervention, <laughs> um, and and so you know, we're talking about patients coming in pretty frequently. So I think we need better uh, quote-unquote biomarkers to kind of assess who's at the highest risk for developing anal cancer or who uh, to better predict who actually has anal H-cell. And the the good news is, though, we're not completely without a way to answer these questions. The, The anchor study amassed a multitude of biospecimens um, that have been very carefully cataloged, cataloged and stored. Um, and it has a wealth of information in its database. We can go back and look at these bios, uh, for example, the screening cytologies and, and test them for HPV and see if there's an HPV test that would potentially better predict who is at risk. So I think once we answer some of those questions about how to best screen people, we'll be able to develop Robust guidelines.
1: So it sounds like having enough providers that can perform this high-resolution anoscopy or HRA is going to be a major roadblock to implement anal cancer screening in a large population. So my question is, what can be done, and can you know Nika ATC help?
2: Yeah, um, there. In fact, there are major HIV treatment centers in the United States and in the Northeast uh, US and Caribbean that do not have um, anal cancer screening programs or train, access to trained providers. Um, and while HRA and colposcopy, you know, the, the procedure to screen for cervical HCL um, share some similarities, uh, a, a very highly skilled colposcopist can't just start doing HRAs without additional training and um, practice. So there are a virtual course, there's a virtual course that is offered through an organization called the International Inland Neoplaser Society, has nothing to do with AATC, uh, that is available to providers um, and it's fully proctored and precepted by essentially the people that develop these procedures and that also anchor investigators um, and that's a good place to start if you're interested in getting trained in how to do HRA. Um, we have, uh, for example, hosted a number of preceptor, we precepted a, a number of visitors to our anoscopy uh, clinic and um, have discussed ways that through um, the through NECA ATC, how we could potentially go out and proctor uh, providers in their own practice settings. Um, I expect, also, other organizations to step forward, uh, particularly the National Cancer Institute, um, on, on ways uh, to quickly bring effective HRA providers online. Um, they're, you know, de- developing programs throughout the world, um, including in, in Latin America, um, on how to perform these proce- Get providers in those areas even uh, adequately trained to do these procedures.
1: Grant, thanks so much for joining us and telling us all about this new, potentially life-saving study. We really hope you learned something new today. To learn more about Nika AATC's work and our role in ending the HIV epidemic, visit us at www.nicaatc.org. That's www.necaaetc.org. If you have questions or comments about anything we covered today, or if you have suggestions for topics you'd like to hear us talk about, Don't hesitate to email us at podcast at NikaATC.org. That's P-O-D-C-A-S-T at NikaATC.org. Stay safe and we'll see you on Thursday for our next episode of Nika in the Know.